I'd like to welcome everyone to the Florence Weinberg Show. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, uh, the author of so many books, 16 and counting, and, and of course the subject of a documentary, and so many other things, and accolades, and award-winning, award-winning podcast here and, and radio show. Uh, without further ado, Doc, how are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Well, I, you know, I, I would say, uh, I, I don't know if we touched on it last week, but uh, is it happy 90th? Uh, yes, I celebrated 90 years on Sunday with a, a party with over 50 people in my little house um, and patio. And the weather was mild, so they could get outside too. And they had food and drink and ultimately cake and other desserts. And they had a roaring good time between 5 and 9 on Sunday. Amazing. Congratulations to you. Uh, and I said it, you know, it's a big accomplishment to go through all those years and just keep accomplishing things. And, uh, you know, it's, by the way, I, you know, it's easy for me to say, but 90 is not old anymore. I, I know people are, are getting to 110 now, 100 and yes. higher than that. But, uh, and, I know, it's really wild. I didn't expect to get to 90. But of course, I was born in 1933, and therefore, uh, at an era when people were dying in their 60s. Wow. Yeah. It was so much different. And, and I've got to say, I mean, my, my grandparents looked old at 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and. That's mine, too. Yeah. Well, listen. Happy birthday, congratulations, and uh, here's to many, many more, and uh, we all appreciate you, that's for sure. Uh, What's been on your mind? Well, of all things, I was thinking about the evolution, or lack thereof, of our view of sexuality in America, Mm. and so I'd like to talk about that. That's a good subject. Uh, You know, I said to you off mic, uh, when people talk intelligently about sex, it's always interesting. <laughs> yes, yes. As a matter of fact, it gets people's attention. That's true. So how much has it changed? Uh, I, I mean, I imagine when you were a little girl that it was hardly talked about. And it would just right. be, you know, it'd be talked about as, well, when you get to your wedding night, this is what happens, you know. <laughs> Not even. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be lucky to have that. Yes. (laughs) Okay, well, here I go. I will start this disquisition on sexuality at a time when our House of Representatives in D.C. is trying to shut down aid to Ukraine, when it is also trying to impeach President Biden, who has done more for the country Mm. in the first two years of his presidency than Trump did in four years. When Israel and Hamas are at each other's throats and Israel is slaughtering dozens of times more innocent women and children than Hamas killed on November 7th. When our southern border is overwhelmed by masses of refugees from troubled Latin American countries. In short, at a time of multiple dire emergencies, I'm going to talk about sex in America, which is a perpetual conundrum. Right now, here in Texas, uh, uh, on abortion, the most right-wing of our right-wing states, 
women as judged by fundamental Christian legislators and our governor have returned our policy on abortion to the 19th century and worse. They believe that the main purpose of women is to have children. And if they don't buckle down and do so, the new abortion law will damn well force women to comply on pain of fines and prison if they don't. Traditionally, men were free to have uh, promiscuous sexual relations to be winked at, since boys will be boys. (laughs) And in the golden years, they also headed all organizations. They were the only judges, lawyers, doctors, and business CEOs. The husband was the ruler of the household, by custom at least. Any woman who broke into the male hegemony was big news as a maverick, a a standout, and a scandal. But during my lifetime, the pendulum has swung forward and now is swinging back. My mother, who was born in 1906, was a young woman during the Roaring Twenties. I remember the songs she sang, including Down by the Railroad Track, and I'm going to be singing snatches from these songs, so <laughs> brace, brace yourself. <laughs> down, down by the Railroad Track was composed when railroads were a new development across the countries, at, across the country. It goes like this. Down by the railroad track, down by the railroad track, we'd talk for hours and hours and hours down by the railroad track. This song is full of nostalgia for those railroad track dates. Mm. But the final line in the song goes this way. Now run and play, but don't you stray down by the railroad track. Thus, it heavily suggests that sex was the real reason for those railroad dates. Mm. Another song of the period is Around the Corner and Under the Tree. Have you heard either of those songs, by the way? I, I didn't, uh, but I, I've heard, I never heard them sung, but I've heard the, uh, I've, I've heard the titles. Uh-huh. Okay, so Around the Corner and Under the Tree. Here we go. Around the corner and under the tree, the sergeant major made love to me. He kissed me once, he kissed me twice. It wasn't just the thing to do, but gee, it was awful nice. And when the girl asked the sergeant to marry her, the song ends with the man's reply. I would have married you, but couldn't get my wife's consent. (laughs) And of course, the songs were intended to warn young women of their fate if they were careless. The blame, the consequences were always suffered by the woman. Of course. Uh, Abortion was was against the law across the country. And as a 20 or 21 year old graduate student in 1954, I was involved in a case involving Millie, a nurse at the University of Iowa Hospital, a hunchback who had comforted the Down syndrome janitor a bit too kindly and was pregnant. In fear of having a baby who might be born with mental or physical defects, she opted for an abortion, very much against the law, of course. 
she found a physician willing to perform a clandestine operation. She asked me, since I owned a car, to drive her to St. Paul to have it to be intervention from Iowa City, where the University of Iowa uh, is located. And this I did, and I saw the terrible toll the law was taking on this hapless individual. She survived and continued her nursing career, but I lost contact with her afterwards. Roe versus Wade, the law permitting abortion at need, allowed women to make their own decisions about such matters along with their doctors. But the pendulum has swung back and we're now again in the 19th century. I remember the years during and immediately after World War II, whenever one thought of going to New York City, a main attraction known to all of us in the West and Midwest was the Ziegfeld Follies. I don't know whether that's still going, but it went on for decades, where a line of pretty girls with short, short skirts kicked their legs in the air in unison, showing their scantily clad bottom halves. So long as these were barely covered, the uh, titillation was acceptable. The same, same psychology still reigned uh, as in the 1920s. Sex was inevitable to be peeked at but only if disguised, barely. Homosexuality was illegal, though widely practiced, until recently, at least in Texas, where the law was superseded, when men caught by the police or denounced by a bystander, they were arrested and jailed, if, for example, they met and paired off in a public toilet or a public park. Until I went to college at age 16, I had never heard of homosexuality and befriended a couple of effeminate boys in my class because they seemed to have similar interests, art and classical music, for example. In college, I learned why those two were so close. The whispered news during my junior year was that the romance between a female classmate, a beautiful girl, was scandalous. Her fiancé was known to be gay, and I learned what that meant. They eventually married, but I don't know the outcome. In any case, the truth, although generally known, was kept to the level of whispers. As for transsexuals, like many girls, I suspect, I felt a stranger in my body and longed to be a boy dreamed as a child of a miraculous transformation and violently uh, resented the adolescent changes, the widening of the hips, the appearance of breasts and menstruation. My body dictated my outer behavior and appearance, but did not govern my soul. Sometime in the late 40s or 50s, a Swedish man successfully was surgically transformed into the shape of a woman. I envied him, although such, although the switch was the opposite of what I had dreamt of. Mm. Oddly, though, I was never attracted to women, always falling for men and eventually marrying one. During the 60s and 70s, consciousness and acceptance of the fact that gays and lesbians are human beings with equal rights was slowly rising. The advent of TV made a dent in the movie industry that largely hewed to the 19th century idea 
of subservient womanhood and uniquely heterosexual mores. The series, the TV series called North by Northwest, I don't know whether you watched that. No, the movie, but not the series. 60s or 70s. It was set in Alaska and dared to devote a sequence to the love and eventual marriage between two men, with the ultimate acceptance of the fictional community. This acceptance grew, and large gay pride organizations and marches increased acceptance, along with the knowledge of what a large seg- segment of our pop- of that, a large segment of our population is LGBTQ+. Mm. But now the pendulum is swinging back. The Republican Party in various states, including Texas, has attempted to ban trans children from using public toilets of their choice but must use those coinciding with their gender written on their birth certificates. This results in apparent men walking into women's restrooms and the opposite. Also, many right-wing states have barred transsexuals, especially women, from playing in sports. It is assumed that they will have the musculature of a male and therefore have an unfair advantage. Actually, uh, a lengthy uh, dosage with estrogen will diminish the musculature of the male and replace it with uh, female curves. Also, there was and is a grave problem caused by the rule of celibacy required of Roman Catholic clergy. In the 1990s, the scandal broke that priests and other clergy who had close contact with young people were abusing them sexually, either in gay sex or hetero. For decades, and probably from the beginning, those offending priests were merely moved to a different location, another diocese. But thanks to the increasingly powerful media, the scandal broke open to the public, and the church was forced to do something about it. That something is still ongoing, and our present pope, Francis I, is involved. Celibacy was invented around 300 AD, mainly for crass material reasons. Married prelates were leaving their wealth to their children rather than to the church, and that had to be stopped. That part has worked, but celibacy is an inhuman stricture on normal human behavior and is devilishly difficult to live up to. That is why many gay men become priests they can practice sexual relations on the sly and not be noticed. It's also one reason why the number of those choosing to become priests is continually decreasing. The radical swing to the right by the Republican Party has also affected our schools. The poster child in this moment is Florida, led by Governor Ron DeSantis. There, a progressive university has been totally taken over by right-wing administrators and professors to the uh, to the total disgust of the student body by the way uh, which is uh, re- which is uh, uh, resisting and making a fuss uh, but in vain because classes in American history that include a disgust of slavery and its aftermath are forbidden and labeled with a scary word woke This has resulted in distortion of accurate American history that can no longer be taught in some quarters. 
but only a Pollyannish substitute lie instead. Sex education is curtailed or banned from the classroom. School libraries generally are stripped of any book mentioning either of the two above subjects, sex or slavery. Any overtly sexual passage in a book is labeled pornography, regardless of the delicacy of its portrayal. Here in Texas, Governor Abbott and the legislature have similarly banned woke literature and pornography, thereby enabling some vigilantes to ban such books as Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. In Kerrville, Texas, I believe it was, the police interrogated the school librarian and in many towns and cities, not only the school libraries, but the public libraries as well have been disrupt, dis, uh, disrupted by the banning craze. Western Europe, at least long ago, came to terms with human sexuality, which is accepted, integrated, and, uh, and even celebrated. My mother once remarked that with each world war, Thanks to the American soldiers' contact with European women, our sexual mores have degenerated. She was a traditionalist, though a lifelong Democrat. After World War I came the, the Roaring Twenties. After World War II, increasingly lax sexual mores. <clears throat> shorter and shorter skirts, until today the women's rights movements, including the demand for the freedom to choose what to do with their own bodies has caused a severe backlash. Donald Trump has simply opened the floodgate of pent-up resentment against uppity women, uppity blacks, and Hispanics, and those who think that knowing the truth would harm our society, which should maintain the mores of the past. Trump or no Trump, this sentiment among rural and mountain populations dominates the Republican Party and may win the presidency in 2024. To hell with democracy and the Constitution. What is preached in evangelical megachurches, on social media, some of them, and on TV, should dominate the, the entire nation. In view of all this, every registered voter should come out and vote, and the young people, including those in rural communities, must support our democratic and I, with a small D, yeah. our democratic system, even if they vote against their parents' wishes. So what I have said so far is intended to demonstrate the role of our wavering, fractured view of sexuality, which has played uh, a heavy role in determining the fate of our nation. And now each of us must decide how we react to the present radically opposed positions on sexual mores, integrate that into our view of our national goals, and vote accordingly. Hmm. And so, Frank, what do you have to say about all that? You surely had some questions, remarks, and, and maybe quarrels with what I've said. I, it's certainly not quarrels. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's well thought out, and you, you bring up, you know, it's a history lesson, basically. I mean, it's, um, and it's a history lesson that's not being told and should be, and I think you made a very good point towards the end about the world wars and uh, bringing on, uh, uh, you know, sexuality. 
I'll just give yeah. you. I'll give you an example. I knew a, an elder, elderly, and well, at least at the time, I considered him an elderly uh, man. I was, uh, I was in my, um, my teens, my late teens and twenties, and he was a, <clears throat> he was the father of a mechanic that we used to go and drop our our beat up old cars with, and he'd, uh, we'd be sitting there talking to him, and he was a funny old guy, and. Um, you know, when I say old guy, he might he might be a little older than what I am now. You know, I'm 56, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, but he he seemed older, and he was in World War II. So, um, he said to to us, he was he was saying, uh, you know, with you guys, it's uh, you know, and I I want to I'll I'll clean up the language a little. He was a funny old guy, but you know, he's talking among the boys, and and mm-hmm. you know, was a little crass, uh, more crass than I would I would feel comfortable saying to the audience, but. I'll, I'll say this, that he said, uh, you guys, you know, nowadays it's like a kiss goodnight. He said, when we were younger, he said, we either uh, we either had to get married. He, he was talking about in order to get sex, to have sex. Mm-hmm. We either had to get married or, um, or, or we had to go to a prostitute. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was a little, you know, he was a little more crass than, than how I'm wording it, but that's basically what he said. But it got me thinking, and, uh, you know, uh, some of the, com- you know, and he was, he said, look, you know, used to, you know, we used to be able to uh, to, to find girls to, uh, to have sex with, but, you know, they weren't the type that, uh, you know, you would bring home to mom, and, and they would get reputations, right. and they would go around and all this. So, in in my mind, I kind of took that information, and I'm I'm thinking, well, I'm the first generation of uh, of boys, uh, or my generation, the first g- generation of men and women, or boys and girls, that grew up after the sexual revolution. For example, right. in 1983, I was 16 years old, and I and I'll, I'll I'll say here, I lost my virginity at 14 years old. But I was a little, you know, it was a little wild. I was a little, you know, a little bit of a, a of a handful, and I had two living relationships by the time I was 17 years old. Think about that. And now, obviously, my reality was much different than what this man's reality was. So in in '83, um, 1983, I was 16 years old. By the time I was 23, 10 years later, in 93, um, was it, would it have been, yeah, I, I guess, no, no, uh, by the time I was 23 years old, which would have been like 1990, roughly around there, uh, the young women that were coming into the one of the three nightclubs I owned, we opened up, you know, nightclubs with no uh, no money, but we, uh, we, we had a good, successful run, uh, I ended up being like a... Uh, a, a best male friend to many of these young women that were coming in, coming in there, and especially women uh, and platonic friends, I should say. I was very, you know, I was respectful. I was, uh, I, I was very careful. You know, I didn't want to have a relationship, but women that were, that were, you know, 24, 25, 26, and especially when they got to about 27 years old, they were saying to me, "What's wrong with me?" Right, my mother got married when she was 18 years old. Well, my mother got married when she was 20 years old, and it got me thinking. My mother got married when she was 24, and she said um, that she was the oldest one of her friends to get married. 
like you know mm-hmm. people were starting to look at her like an old maid and yes. what what happened was the sexual revolution in uh, in the 60s right and it was a great breakthrough or it was a, it, it was a big breakthrough and and you know other things changed but the the sexual revolution changed things and what what happened is people started having sex uh, without having to get married, like you know, this right. old man, you know, to us, an old man, Richie, um, used to say, you know, in order to have sex, it was, you know, you just simply had sex. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a big thing. Uh, the, the introduction and the legalization, I guess, of, of the pill, you know, as that, you know, became more prominent, uh, that um, uh, allowed women to uh, feel more comfortable about their sexuality. But what right. happened? Is all of a sudden, all of a sudden, men uh, decided, "Hey, I, I don't need to get married in order to have sex," and uh, and that brought up this whole other um, conundrum with women that I said was, you know, 27, 28, 29 years old. Uh, where were they going to meet men? Because they were already too uh, past the point where they wanted to hang out in nightclubs such as mine. They were coming around because I was introducing them to their their potential uh, husbands or their potential uh, life mates or whatever. But before internet dating and after the sexual revolution, um, there was a there was a huge problem for women. Where do you meet after college is done, right? So after let's say after college and and uh, and before uh, the internet dating came. Um, it was a real problem of where young women would meet. If you're not going to meet them at, at work, at, at your job, uh, you're going to meet them in college. Once college is over, then it's only the job that's there. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell right. you, you know, and I don't mean to go off on this, but I think it's very, it's, it's very much relevant to what we're talking about. Um, this one woman, and she was, I, I thought she was a brilliant young, young woman, and she was a friend of mine. Um, she, she went on to get uh, her, her doctorate in psychology, right? She was a highly intelligent woman, beautiful young woman, and maybe she was like 27, 28 years old. And she said, and she's laughing when she's saying it, and we were in the back of my, uh, uh, you know, my club in the, in the kitchen, and she'd come back there, and I'd kind of, you know, give her male advice. She said, you know, I'm living with this guy that I would never look at, you know, I would never give him the time of day. He doesn't work, right? He's not particularly, you know, handsome or he's not particularly uh, uh, interesting. He's not particularly bright. And and she said, I, I found myself begging him to give me an engagement ring for for Christmas. And, and, and I said, oh, what are you doing? I said, oh, my God, don't. And, and she said, I, I know. She was like, I have no idea why I'm panicking. But she said, I'm like panicking. And my mother's getting on me about, hey, you know, you got to watch, you know, you don't, uh, you know, they, they don't buy the, the cow if the milk, you know, all this crap. And she said, I, I'm, I'm out of my mind. I don't know what I'm doing. I said, listen, get out of that relationship before you get pregnant or before something terrible happens and you end up with this guy that you have no interest in. Get out of the situation. And she did, but not because I suggested it. But there was a sense of panic somewhere around the 90s. In the 90s, women my age or, or you know, older, you know, 26, 27, 28, 30 years old, I, where am I going to meet a man is what the problem was. And the problem and the disadvantage that women had compared to men, of course, is the biological clock, 
right? The biological clock, we don't have one, right? So we had an unfair advantage. It's not justifiable. It's horrendous. These women that uh, that I knew were far superior than than many of the men that they ended up settling for. But this was the first, I was the first generation, and these women were the first generation to grow up and, and get married um, before the, uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, after the sexual revolution. What, what's your thoughts on what I just said? Yes, well, I didn't mention the sexual resol- uh, revolution, and I should have, yep. uh, be- because uh, it was a major upheaval, of course, and that was when the sh- skirts went up by by about a foot, yeah. or at least. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think by now, women have realized, perhaps, maybe this, this panic um, about the biological clock still exists. But many women have realized that uh, with things, uh, organizations like Match, um, you can uh, advertise yourself. Yes. And get all kinds of replies, especially if you're good looking. Right. Uh, and uh, if if you're too intelligent and, and accomplished as a woman, however, uh, you still frighten men. <laughs> and, uh, no doubt. No doubt about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I will uh, interject well, I one thing. Uh, when women would say to me, "Where are?" And, and keep in mind, this is somewhere, let's say, somewhere around '95, because I had my first email address in '96, and uh-huh. and women used to say to me, "Well, where are we going to meet?" I, she said, "No offense to your bar, I don't feel like coming into the bar with all these younger people and and younger women just you know acting ridiculous and." I don't want to be grouped like that. I'm an adult. You know, I want to be treated. But she said, where, are gonna, where am I going to meet a man? And I said, you know what? Internet dating is going to be big. And a mm-hmm. lot, you know what a lot of the women said to me? No way. There's no way I'm going to uh, answer some, you know, some guy and it's going to be f- some 14-year-old little pervert laughing at me with his friends and, and all this. And I said, no, I, I said, listen, it, it's, I'm not saying right now it's perfect, but that's the future. The internet is uh, is going to be where people meet. I said, people aren't yes. going to stop meeting. People aren't going to stop breeding. <laughs> they're not going to stop mating. Uh, they're going to have to meet somewhere, and it's going to be the Internet. And you have no idea how many people uh, laughed at me, you know, like that. That was never going to oh, happen. Sure. In the beginning, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I now know of, of probably among my uh, the 50 couples that came I should say the 30 couples that came to my birthday party uh, last Sunday, um, there were at least three couples that had met on Internet. So uh, it's working. Yep. Uh, And otherwise, I think it uh, is a matter of meeting people at church. Uh, This is is a a plus for religion. (laughs) It's it's a place where you can meet eligible and nice uh, men generally speaking nice yeah uh, amazing yeah but it's uh you know you, you hit it on the head but we uh we are looking at a whole new now we're looking at a whole different um uh, sexual uh, uh sexualization and w- there's also something going on and again i i don't want to buy into you know desantis and you know uh, you know the the bigotry against transsexuals or um or people that are uh transgender and they they feel that they were born a man or born a woman, but 
there is one thing going on that is uh, is worth noting, and young people that uh, that maybe at 19, maybe you know 20, 23, 24, that <clears throat> are kind of getting caught up in the idea that hey, I feel more like a woman, or I feel more like a uh, a man, and they go to uh, Frank. Yes. Uh, you have been off my. And as, you know, as, as I was saying, young men and young women that are feeling that are, are feeling that they were born the wrong gender, uh, there's there's a group of them now that are trying to undo what they've done. So it's I think it's very important and very important to um, to explain to young people that we sometimes ebb and flow as people and we uh, and we change by no means do you want to uh, discount their feelings that uh, they feel more like a woman or they feel more like a man uh, man and uh, and they're the opposite uh, where they were born the biologically the opposite uh, what's starting to happen now is there is a group of people I don't know how what the percentage is but there is a there is a, a percentage and it's a sizable percentage that are, are regretful of their change, of the change they're making. So I, I don't know if there's a way to uh, to take a deep breath for people that might make that change, and uh, and really think it out before they before they change. You know, there, there are there are, are are men who are just attracted to other men. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that they're a woman inside. And when they make that, you know, maybe a sexual partner pushes them into that direction. And it, it turns out that they really were a man. They're just a homosexual. Or yeah. uh, a woman was just a, um, uh, you know, what was uh, was a lesbian, uh, uh, that she didn't want to be a man, and and uh, and they get talked into it or, or talk themselves into it. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, so I think there's a, there, there's like a deep breath that needs to be taken uh, when it comes to, you know, individuals. And I know we weren't talking necessarily about transgender, but... I, I think before anybody goes under the knife, anybody does something drastic, um, you know, if, if they just cause themselves to have a waiting period and, and try their, you know, try their lifestyle out, um, I don't know, um, I, I, what would you say, uh, superficially? <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word, but, uh, you know, like if they were felt like being a, a female, maybe... Uh, don't go right into transition. Don't go into physical, uh, physically or biologically uh, changing. Uh, try, uh, try what they're doing, um, either as a man or as a woman uh, first. But again, this mm -hmm. is something I think we're going to hear about more and more because this latest generation, uh, it's become a very hot, quote unquote, um, uh, idea to uh, to change their gender. Yes, uh, yes, I agree that uh, they should <laughs> should be careful. Um, the change, uh, for instance, I have a friend who, uh, uh, let me see what was the cause, I think it was cancer, um, and uh, cancer of the testes, I believe. Yeah. And uh, it, one, the treatment was to give him estrogen, to uh, cut back his uh, testosterone, give him estrogen. And he started growing breasts and losing his muscles and all the rest. That's why I know <laughs> that uh, somebody who transforms 
transgenders in, from male to female is going to lose his muscles that gave him the advantage over other women if he wanted to be a woman in the first place. But, and, and that very thing, the fact that uh, many of his uh, things that he was proud of, his, uh, his muscles, his uh, beautiful form and all the rest of it, uh, is going to be gone. Um, then he will have to accept the female form, beautiful in its own right, um, uh, and he may not be able to do that. So it really, I agree with you, there's got to be a lot of thinking going into um, a surgical change before you actually do it. But as a child, here's, here's a, a personal anecdote. As a child, this was uh, during uh, World War II, uh, so I was probably, let's see, I was probably about eight or nine, and or ten maybe even, because my tiny, tiny little breasts, I could already feel them. They were about the size of walnuts um, under my skin, mm. and I could, uh, I could get my fingers almost all the way around them. And I was furious about it because I knew what my fate would be, and I did not want to become a woman. At that point, I was uh, very much in revolt against that idea because I knew how inferior, um, how I should say, the subservience that was imposed on womankind uh, still during that period, although women came to run the country and uh, build the ships and planes and all the rest of it during the war, but immediately after the war, were again in the same uh, same position. That is, on their knees, scrubbing the floor, washing the dishes, and having babies. Um, but um, I decided my well. My parents often uh, we were had followed my father to Fort Belvoir in Virginia. Uh, this was shortly before he was sent overseas. Um, and uh, my mother was often gone, and so I was left to my own devices in the, in the apartment we were renting at the time. And I decided I was going to get rid of those little walnut-sized breasts, so I went into the kitchen and got butcher knife. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Um, and I, I started to cut. Oh. And, and I realized this was going to be extremely painful. <laughs> and I, I had enough sense to realize that it, the bleeding would be out of control. And I didn't know how soon my mother would be back. And then I began to think of her reaction if I did that. And so I gave up on the idea before I had done more than just cut the skin a little bit. Oh. But there I was. I was that adamant and that angry about my gender uh, that I was willing to mutilate myself. And it would certainly have been a final mutilation had I gone through with oh, it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, thank God. So, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, there you are. I mean, the idea of uh, surgical transformation <laughs> was uh, prematurely in my mind <laughs> during my own life. Uh, so a lot of children have really passionate desires to be the other sex. Yeah. And the but the paradox is that I have never been attracted to women sexually. Uh, I have respected and loved them as companions and friends. Um but uh, none of the none of the rest of it. 
it's always men that I went for as far as uh, sexual attraction. Yeah, just uh, you know, I just think of uh, poor young women uh, and and poor young men who uh, who would hate the where their body's going so much where they would mutilate themselves, and it's you know it happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah, my thoughts are with them, and and prayers are with them, and uh, I just, uh, you know what, it's, uh, it's cyclical. Uh, well, I don't, I shouldn't say it's cyclical. It's a, uh, um, it's fluid. Uh, our, um, you know, our sexuality in in America and our attitudes towards uh, towards uh, sexuality are are fluid. Hopefully, we're becoming more tolerant. Of, of people who have different beliefs and different feelings on uh, on the subject. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, homosexuals and lesbians are are becoming much much more acceptable in um, in society. And I I think you know when this you know when when my generation uh, dies out you know uh, that the next generation coming after us is is going to be uh, I think. Uh, completely to tolerant of of any of that, and probably at that point, uh, transgender individuals um, will won't have the stigma that they have currently now. And I don't know. I, I'm just I, I you know my belief always has been uh, uh, you know whatever you do in your life. You know we have one life here on Earth, right? Uh, whatever you do in your life, um, it should be your decision. And whoever you love. Uh, be grateful that you have uh, have found somebody that you love, and regardless mm -hmm. of what yes. gender they are, um, and, you know more power to them. I just uh, you know as long as you're not hurting someone else or you're not um, you're not sleeping with somebody who's underage or can't who, who's not capable of of making their their own decisions uh, or, or a proper decision. As long as you're not uh, abusing some some kind of creature, well, you know, whether it's uh, uh, male, female, or, you know, uh, trans transgender in the middle, that is not capable of making their own decision. They're too young or they're, they're just not mentally competent uh, to do so. Uh, you know, more power to you. Uh, consenting adults, um, you know, should have the right to, uh, you know, as long as they're not mistreating the other one or enslaving mm -hmm. the other one, yes. should have the right to, to live their lives. And so few people are happy in this world, uh, truly happy in this world, or, or not enough people are truly happy in this world, I should say, and uh, and we should give everybody the opportunity to be so. Right, and I was very, very fortunate to find a man uh, who would put up with, uh, with my idiosyncrasies, <laughs> <laughs> and we had a great marriage, <laughs> as long as it lasted until death we parted, uh, parted us, I should say. So, wow. um, by the way, I wanted to uh, to ask you about this uh, uh, this woman um, who was uh, shocked up with the with the mediocre man. What what did uh, what happened with her ultimately? She's uh, she's very successful. She's got a wonderful marriage, and Good. you know she didn't marry the uh, she didn't marry the loser. <laughs> the uh, you know the guy who was basically sponging off of her is what was yeah. what was going on, and and she married somebody. Uh, I think she lives in Arizona, 
I don't think she listens, so I can, <laughs> I won't say her name, but uh, she uh, she would know. And some some people who do listen to us here, uh, will know who I'm talking about. But I don't think I told tales out of school. She was very, very, very open, you know, with myself and other friends, uh, you, you know, about this. And uh, you know, I'll tell you, I I introduced at least a two dozen people, two dozen couples, just in the small club alone. That was the one that I was at who ended up either getting married or who lived together. And ah. she wasn't one of them. I didn't introduce her to her um, her life mate. Uh, I tried. I, I, I tried introducing her to some, some people. But uh, I, you know, I, I will say, uh, I, I'll be the first to admit that not all of these worked out, you know, uh, long, you know, to be great marriages. But I'll bet you about half, which is probably the country average, the national average anyway, um, but I, I was, you know, I, that was one of my roles as club owner. I would introduce uh, my friends to each other, and 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 there's a lot of children out there um, that that uh, were made by these couples, uh, and and, and uh, you know, at least one of them were named after me because of that. Uh, somebody Yay. I didn't even know that well. And, uh, oh, that is that is great. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of yeah. that. Well, I'm I'm glad she ended up happily. Yeah, that's very that's good news. <laughs> you know, keep in mind she was aware enough to uh, to talk about it. She was she was like mm-hmm. laughing at herself about it, but she was like, "I'm begging this guy that I would never give, you know, in my in my right mind and my right frame. I'm begging him for an engagement ring, uh, you know." And and I just said, "Get out!" <laughs> I think I pushed her to get away from that. I mean, uh, myself mm-hmm. and her sister pushed her to get away from that situation. I said, "It's ridiculous. You're going to get pregnant and." And then you're going to be stuck with this guy somehow in your life for That's forever, right. whether you want him or not. Yeah. I just get out, you know. Yes. Well, I'm glad you told her that, and I'm sure many other people did too. So she yes. finally heard heard you. <laughs> yeah. But mm-hmm. a, a lot of stories like that in the club business. I was I, I that was the most interesting part was uh, uh, was was dealing with the women, platonic friends, you know, uh, that I had and uh, and. Uh, you know, look, it's uh, it was uh, it was a great, you know, it was, that was a great experience. Uh, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to do it all over again, especially now with with everything. But I was a non-drinker who owned clubs, which was kind of interesting, and uh, and I just kind of uh, I held court in the back, and and uh, I was always I was a gentleman, you know. What I mean, I had good female friends, and I didn't I didn't take advantage of them at the most vulnerable point, and and I uh, and many of them. Uh, have commented on how uh, uh, you know how much they uh, uh, they were appreciated that and and all of that and so anyway it says yeah I, I you know I, I didn't take advantage of my my situation in that you know in that case never you know uh, you know misled anybody or I yeah it was very good it was very good when uh, when it came to all of that and that's a big thing that's a hard thing to do when you're when you're uh, full of testosterone and in your 20s, <laughs> and and you have friends that are that are vulnerable and 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 already unwilling, uh, but uh, you know you don't you, you don't uh, get involved with somebody like that uh, and tie them up in into you know uh, relationships or false hope into something that uh, that that's not going to go the long run at that point. And there's so few opportunities. That's a whole that by the way that's a subject for a whole other time, but a great subject. Doc and uh, I really, uh, you know, I think we covered a lot of ground on on where we are sexually uh, in in society. And uh, uh, great job as always. 
Well, thank you. I just wanted to say that the man uh, who is taking estrogen and uh, slowly transforming yeah. <laughs> without surgery into a woman, uh, his cancer disappeared, and he is back to being himself. Uh, he was a bodybuilder uh, before, uh, not professional, but uh, he had a very beautiful male body yeah. before. Uh, he's back. He's By now, he's in his 60s, I think. Um, but uh, uh, I'm thrilled to see that <laughs> he has uh, recovered his identity and he's well. That's terrific. You know, our, our thoughts and prayers are everyone who's struggling in any way with their sexuality and uh, either, you know, uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, or physically. And, uh, and we, you know, I hope the best for all of them. It's such a big part of life. Yes, right. Uh, and it really has influenced uh, everything in life, including politics. So, <laughs> No doubt about uh, it. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I chose it as a subject to get our minds off of the really severe problems that we're confronted with these days. Well, great job, Doc. Thank you very much. Happy 90th once again. And, uh, and you. you know, here's to, uh, I was going to say here's to 90 more, but here's, uh, here's to a bunch <laughs> more. How about that? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, who knows? I could go tomorrow or I could go another five or 10 years. Who knows? Just keep I going. Mean, it's, it's keep being done, 100 is uh, certainly reachable by uh, a number of people these Without days. Without question, just keep positive and beyond that. And who knows what the technology and medicine will be uh, at that point and the cures that there are. Just keep yourself as healthy as possible. Your mind is great. Uh, keep your body as, as well as you can. Uh, and happy birthday once again. And to everyone out there, uh, thank you very much for listening. We know you have a lot of options. Um, and, and again, I know you join in, in wishing uh, Dr. Florence Byham Weinberg uh, a, a very happy 90th uh, year on this earth and many more to come. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on The Florence Weinberg Show.